Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship Weekly Podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Hey, good morning, everyone. So happy to be here with you guys today. My wife is, is actually in Chicago uh, this weekend. So last night I went to Wendy's and <laughs> I hadn't done that in a long time, y'all. And that's, I was lying in bed. I was like, oh, that was a bad decision. <laughs> Can't, don't, eat, don't eat Wendy's the night before you're about to preach, but I'm good now. Uh, so uh, excited to be here with you guys. And today is Pentecost Sunday, if you're not aware. And so we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. So I love the Holy Spirit, uh, and I'm excited to open up the scriptures with you guys this morning. Well, for those of you who don't know me, I am Micah Scharsberg. I'm the executive pastor here, and I just want to share a little bit of my story as we get started this morning. Uh, 2005, I walked into a church for the first time, and it was called Antioch Community Church, and it was in Waco, Texas, and I'm sitting in the back there, and it's my first week of college, and I came into college desiring and wanting more of God. I'm sitting back there and I'm judging and analyzing every aspect of the service. And this guy named Jimmy Cyber gets up and preaches. I'm like, oh, he's all right. And then, you know, James Mark Gully leads worship. And I'm like, oh, he's all right. I've heard better. Uh, and, but then at the end of the service, I feel like the Lord is kind of like tapping on my heart. And he's kind of like, hey, I want you to go up and get prayer. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm not like super emotional or anything. But I go up. And this guy named Jake Griffin begins to pray for me, and it was like somebody flipped a switch. And the presence of God just came over me in a powerful way. And I start weeping, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but like something is happening. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me in that moment, and he said, Micah, I've heard your prayers, and I've decided to answer them. And that's a memorial moment for me. It's a moment that I look back upon. And in, in, that, in that time, I, I knew that God was calling me to that church during my college years. But here I stand 12 years later, still a part of this movement, and that moment has directly affected the trajectory of my life. And so we don't always know when the Holy Spirit is going to show up. We can't always plan and schedule when He comes, but when He comes, it's amazing and it's beautiful and we should never forget it. We don't live in the past, but we remember those moments to inform our future. We're walking through a summer series entitled The Beautiful Exchange. And in this, in this series, we're exploring what Jesus does for us and the exchange that he offers us. We don't always think about our relationship with God as an exchange, but in many ways, that's exactly what it is. Every week, we go to the grocery store and load up our grocery cart uh, I love to load up my grocery cart with Orville, Orville Redenbacher sea salted popcorn and some A&W root beer. That is, that's my jam. That's my snack. That's my go-to snack. Uh, so, but I honestly don't go to the grocery store because my wife does. So I'd be lying if I told you that. Um, but uh, when I do, that's what I load up my grocery cart. And you go to the checkout line and you give them some little pieces of paper with dead presidents on them and they give you your groceries in return. It's amazing. It's an exchange. And we don't always think about it. We just, it's just what we do, what we always do, right? But what we're saying is it's a question of value. We, we roll up to that checkout counter, and Kroger is saying, hey, I value your dollar bills, your little pieces of paper, more than those 
groceries in your cart, and you're saying, I value those groceries more than these little dollar bills. It's an exchange, but we both have to willingly enter into that exchange. It's a question of value. My hope this morning is that as I speak about the Holy Spirit, that the value that you assign to walking in relationship with the Holy Spirit rises, that you have a desire to enter into that exchange with Jesus because Jesus is wanting to pour out his spirit this morning. My hope is that you're encouraged to look at the scriptures and see that the Holy Spirit wants to move in this place. Well, when we come to Jesus, though, what do we really have to offer him in exchange? I don't know about you, but when I came to Jesus, I didn't have much. I was a lonely, lost, hurt, insecure little boy. But the thing is, is Jesus doesn't necessarily want perfect people. He doesn't want people that just have it all together. He's looking for people that just come to him just the way they are. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, that God wants the very thing that he doesn't have. What, and what is that? What is the one thing that God doesn't have? Well, it's you. He, he has everything, but he wants your heart. He wants your attention. He wants your affection. That's the one thing that he doesn't have that only you can give to him. And so wherever you're at this morning, I encourage you, give the one thing that God doesn't have to him this morning. Give him your heart. Give him your attention. Give him your affection, and you'll find relationship with the King of Kings, even if you don't feel like you have much to offer this morning. Galatians 2.20 says, describes this exchange As I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. What this means is that when we come to God with our junk, with our insecurity, with our fear, he gives us his riches in return. Pretty good deal in my opinion. Think about it for a second. Christ lives in us. Christ lives in us. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Sometimes we're in church and we just hear all the church terminology all the time. And I think sometimes we forget just the beauty and the wonder of the gospel and what God has done for us. Christ lives in us. Like Think about that. Like he's living inside of you. Despite your imperfection, despite your sin. And that means that, that God's Spirit produces these good works. As we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit in this series, uh, or the fruit of the Spirit, I should say, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's His Spirit that brings those things to pass in our life, that brings those things into fruition. It works itself out in our lives. It's not me being good enough, me being more patient, me working up this kindness and working up this goodness and this faithfulness and this self-control. It's God's spirit working in me that produces those things in my life. So today, as we're on Pentecost Sunday, we're, we're, we're not going to be walking through it. We're not going to be looking at a specific fruit of the spirit, but we're going to be looking at the spirit that produces the fruit of the spirit. Uh, and, 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 and as a culture, we've identified, you know, most people would identify the fruit of the Spirit as, as good things, right? We, we would all say that we want more love. We all say we want more joy or peace or patience or kindness, goodness or faithfulness. And we definitely don't want the opposite. We definitely don't want more hatred or more sorrow 
or more anxiety or more impatience or more mean-spiritedness or wickedness or unfaithfulness or harshness. Look around the world, right? You don't have to look far to see those things. So what's the point? Well, well, the point is we don't worship those feelings of love, joy, peace, patience, all those things. We worship Jesus who produces those feelings, who produces those things in our lives. We're not after just a feeling. We're after, after the person who creates feelings. He, we're, we're after the creator in this process. So my main point today is to know God is to know the Holy Spirit. Pretty simple, yet really profound if you think about it. To know God is to know the Holy Spirit. In church, we, we talk about knowing God a lot, but sometimes I think we don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough and realize that the Holy Spirit is the way that we get to know God. And He wants to know you. He wants to be in relationship with you. To live the Christian life is to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. To experience freedom is to experience the Holy Spirit. I want to know God, and I want to know the Holy Spirit. And I want to know more of Him in my life. And today, I hope to demystify the Holy Spirit a little bit as not this just weird enigma out there, but as a person of Jesus who, who you can know through the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus describes this in Mark 12, 29. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he goes on to say, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But the point is Jesus is saying that, yeah, there's one God, there's one Christ, there's one spirit, but there's, they're all one. They're unified together. And so we don't have to fear coming, we don't have to fear the Holy Spirit. We can come to him and view him just as loving. He's just as loving and tender and caring and kind and compassionate as God himself. So be encouraged. The Holy Spirit is gentle. He's kind. He's loving. But if we're going to walk out in the fruit of the Spirit, then we must have the Holy Spirit. I want to help you out this morning and give you three simple steps about what does it mean to have more of the Holy Spirit and how to have more of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I hope this helps simplify the Holy Spirit for you a little bit this morning. Point number one, if you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life, you must be willing to give something up. There's got to be a transaction. But in order for there to be a transaction, you've got to give something up. Apart from this beautiful exchange that Galatians 2.20 describes, let me be clear, you can't do it on your own. Doesn't matter how successful, beauty, beautiful, witty, strong, smart you may think you are. Apart from the grace of God, you're left dead in your transgressions. We have nothing apart from Christ. And so we must have this exchange if we're to experience eternal life in Christ. So what about you? Where do you feel stuck this morning? Where do you feel stuck in your sin? Where do you feel like there's a place of lack in your life today? I would like to submit to you that, you know, it's not that you need to pray more about your sin problems or more of your, about your lack, but you need to pray for more of the Holy Spirit in your life, and then He will bring the breakthrough in those areas. I'm not saying that we don't bring those things before the Lord, but I'm saying we don't let those become the focus of our prayer life. Does that make sense? We don't focus on our problems. We focus on Jesus who's going to work out our problems. Now, he cares about those. He says in all things, through prayer and petition, submit your request to God. But I would say our, our requests need to be more of, I want to know you more, Holy Spirit, rather than, God, would you fix this situation in my life? God, do you not care about this? Do you not see what's going on here? Do you not see the struggles that I'm enduring right now? 
and said, Jesus, would you manifest more of your, your patience in my life so that I could walk out in your peace in this situation? Would you manifest more of your love in my life so that I can walk out in more of your love? Last weekend, my brother got married and it was an awesome day. It was an awesome celebration. But guess what? When there's weddings, there's also some family dynamics, right? And so I needed more of Jesus so I could express his love to those that are not always easy for me to love. I needed more of Jesus in my life. So where is fear controlling your life? Where is pride preventing you from giving up control? Unsure of how it will look to others. Where is there a sense of shame limiting you from experiencing more of the Holy Spirit? This morning, I want to give you a little bit of a practical picture on this because I believe that uh, in order for us to receive something, we've got to give something up. So I've got to, I always make fun of Ben because he uses boxes while he preaches, but here I am, I'm using one. Uh, so it's kind of like this, you know, if I got this, my blank, so you fill in the blank with my junk or my stuff or my sense of control, right? And as long as we're holding on to this, it's pretty hard to take hold of anything else. And so what is it for you? What is it that you're really holding on to? Jamie's got a little basketball down there in light of the NBA finals. And we're just going to pretend like that basketball represents the Holy Spirit. And so if I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life, I've got to let go of my junk so I can receive and take hold of all that God has for me. It's a simple picture, but if we're going to receive something, we've got to let go of something else. Amen? All right. Let go of your junk. Secondly, the second way we can receive more of the Holy Spirit in our lives is by understanding that the Holy Spirit is received by faith and by patience by faith and by patience. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, today is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday talks about the story in Acts 2 where the Holy Spirit falls in power. Peter preaches this amazing sermon and 3,000 people get saved. You want to talk about a, a good start to a church, right? Man, that's what I call a church plant. And God's power shows up in amazing ways. But before I get, before we read the story of Pentecost, I want us to enter into the life of the disciples a little bit. And I want us to look at the, all the times that Jesus is teaching them about the Holy Spirit leading up to this amazing Pentecost story. And the reason I want to do that is because I want you to see that the disciples, they didn't have it all together. They didn't have the Holy Spirit figured out. That's why Jesus needed to teach them about it. And so he, teaches them, a, he teaches, them a, teaches them about the Holy Spirit, not only before his death, but after his resurrection. And then he says, it's not, it hasn't come yet, but it's going to come. So let's look at John 14, verses 16 to 20 to begin with. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Jumping down to verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Wow. This is a powerful passage of scripture that Jesus has said right here. It seems like Jesus is wanting us to know about the Holy Spirit. And just from this passage, verse 16, we can see that the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our advocate forever. Verse 17, we see that the Holy Spirit is received by faith and he lives inside of those who have accepted Christ. Verse 20, we see that the Holy Spirit unites us with the Father and with the Son. We see in verse 26 that the Holy Spirit is a teacher. And we see in verse 27 that the Holy Spirit brings peace and drives out fear and anxiety. I don't know about you, but I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life. Moving on to John 16, 7. But I tell you the truth, it is better for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This means that Jesus himself is saying that the physical Christ is not as good as the Holy Spirit. It's better that I go away. Like what? The physical Christ is not as good as the Holy Spirit? Yes. And the reason is, is because Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. But because he was fully man, he, was, he self-limited himself to ensure our redemption. He had to go to the cross. And he was limited and tied to a physical location. But Jesus understood that when he went to the Father, when he was ascended into heaven, he left his Holy Spirit here, he could be everywhere at all times. The same presence that Jesus in the flesh carried could now be with us everywhere we go. That's why he said, it's better that I go away. I don't know about you, but I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life. There's no limits in the Holy Spirit. There's only the limits that we put on the Holy Spirit. So I'm encouraging you, take off the limits, let go of your junk, and by faith and by patience, receive what he has for you. Our third passage I want us to look at is now after Jesus has been resurrected and he's still teaching them about the Holy Spirit. He's trying to drive this home. That's why, you know, when you're preaching, right, they tell you to repeat yourself, right? It's that repetition. They teach you to, to use that, say it over and over and over, because the more you say it, the more likely it's to sink in. I think Jesus is doing the same thing here. He's talking to them about the Holy Spirit more and more and more and more because he wants them to get this. He wants them to understand this. Luke 25, 45 through 49. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Wait. Wait. So once again, what can we learn from this passage about the Holy Spirit? Verse 45, we need the Holy Spirit to open up our minds to understand the scriptures. Every morning when I open up the word, I say, Holy Spirit, would you help me read and understand your scriptures? I want to know what you have to say for me. Verse 46, repentance and forgiveness of sins go together and they prepare the way for the Holy Spirit to come. Verse 47, God's heart is for the gospel to be preached in all nations. Verse 49, Jesus unlocks and fulfills the promises of the Father 
one of those being the Holy Spirit. In verse 49, second part of 49, the Holy Spirit infuses us with power from on high. Acts 1.4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is continuing to drive this home. And in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy, gives us, Holy Spirit gives us power. Why? Why does the Holy Spirit give us power? Because it gives us power to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so the way I talk about, I think about that in our context is in Jerusalem, right? Our Jerusalem is Fort Worth right here. Our Judea is the Metroplex. Our Samaria is the great state of Texas. God bless Texas. Amen. Come on. And in the nations of the earth, right? And so this is what God is wanting to infuse us with power for, to reach our city, to reach the Metroplex, to reach our state, to reach the nations. I was swapping boxers with our college pastor, Ben Moss, who's in uh, Cusco, Peru right now. He's doing missions work there this summer, and they were out doing an outreach in the city center. And this guy comes up to him and he says, I've had a vision of Jesus, and he came up behind me and he placed his hand on my shoulder. And he said to me, I love you. Jesus shares, uh, ben shares the gospel with him. This guy accepts Christ. He receives the Holy Spirit. And he's going to get baptized next Saturday. And, and, and not only this guy, but Ben has said, and just in the last week, they've seen 25 to 30 people accept Christ. 20, just in this past week. And after this outreach, after Ben leads this guy to the Lord, you know what this guy says to him? He says, I've been waiting for somebody to come and tell me about Jesus. I've been waiting. How many people are in Peru or even right here in our communities are waiting for somebody to tell them about Jesus? I don't know about you, but I don't always feel like I'm courageous enough or bold enough to share my faith. But that's when I ask, Jesus, would you help me? Would you give me more of the Holy Spirit? to be Jesus to the people around me and to share your word at the right times. Yesterday, I went to Starbucks and a gentleman from our church was there. He sat down and I got to pray for him. I came over here and, you know, he, he said, I need to pray for me. So I prayed for him. I came over here, practicing my message and Caleb, come, Caleb comes up to work on the lights and says, hey, can you pray for me? I said, yeah, I can pray for you. Man, lots of times it's just taking the opportunities that God puts right in front of us. I didn't go seek out these opportunities. It's not just because I'm a pastor, right? It's just the people that God has put in front of us. Begin to love and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about how you can love the people around you. I believe that he's at work all around us. If we just pay attention, we take a moment and we listen and hear what he's doing in our lives. Holy Spirit comes by faith, believing that he's going to move when we tap into his power and by patience. I love the word that Ross brought last week on patience. His main point was patience is the attitude and posture that demonstrates our understanding of the what and the why of life circumstances, not the when. We can't, we can't always bet on when the Holy Spirit is going to show up, but we can position ourselves in a place of surrender 
And I believe that in those moments, he'll show up. For me, it was a a simple place of walking down the aisle, asking for prayer in 2005, and asking for Jesus in that moment to show up in my place of surrender. Jesus wants to come. He wants to show up in your life. Waiting on the Lord is not a passive thing. It's actually a very active thing. And, and receiving the Holy Spirit is not a passive thing, but it's a very active thing. It's putting our faith into practice. It's loving the people around us, like I just mentioned. It's taking the opportunities that God puts in front of us. It's believing that God is who He says He is, and He's going to do what He says He's going to do. It's positioning ourselves to pursue the heart of God more so than His hand. Now, let me be very clear. If we're pursuing an emotional experience with the Holy Spirit, Apart from an understanding of the person of Jesus, then we'll buy into the lie of cheap grace. And what I mean by that is that Jesus didn't come and didn't die just so that we could feel better about ourselves. Now, on the flip side, let me, let me be clear that if we just trust God and we believe that our faith has no bearing on our emotions, then we've turned our faith into just a mental exercise. And so I actually think it's a very good one thing when we ask the Holy Spirit to come and touch our emotions. Now, is, it, are our faith, is our faith based on emotions? No. Our faith is based on the truth as we read in the scriptures of who God is. But the truth that we read about in the scriptures talks about how God transforms us, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And so we have to surrender all of ourselves to him. And in that place, he touches our emotions. And that's a good thing. And for me, y'all, that was a very scary thing because I'm not a very like super emotional person. And the fact of me giving up emotional control to the Holy Spirit was a very scary thing to me. And I actually was very resistant to that idea because I thought it was very disrespectful towards God to engage in an emotional encounter with the Lord. But it wasn't until I understood that God wanted to touch these things that I was protecting and I didn't understand that I began to experience true freedom. Does that make sense? Like God wants to move in us, not just in our minds, but in our hearts as well. Is it all about emotions? No. But are emotions a part of it? Yeah, they are. And it's really awesome when the Holy Spirit touches our emotions. My last point this morning is that the Holy Spirit transforms good-hearted followers of Christ into powerful witnesses. I love the scriptures because they don't sugarcoat things. They paint the apostles for who they are. Imperfect, fearful, competitive, vain, insecure, you name it, right? Anybody, can anybody relate? I know I can. But Jesus doesn't give up on these guys. Yet Jesus is here and he's telling them they're not ready yet. What do you mean they're not ready yet? Like Jesus, the the son of God has spent three years of his life getting these guys ready. He's training them. He's teaching them what it means to live out their faith. What What do you mean, Jesus, they're not ready yet? He's saying, wait, wait for the more, wait for the Holy Spirit. You see, apart from the Holy Spirit, you'll remain frustrated in your relation with God because you'll try to fulfill the calling of God apart from the power of God. That's called living in a cycle of religion and performance and misery. I've been there. I've tried to pursue and please God in that way. But with the Holy Spirit, we begin to experience freedom. For, for Jesus has come so that we can experience where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I want to walk out in the freedom of God in my life. And my hope is that you do too, which leads us to our final passage this morning, Acts 2, 29 through 39. 
Jesus has been ascended to the Father. The apostles are praying and seeking the Lord, being active in their waiting on the Lord by seeking him. And this is what happens. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place on one of his descendants, place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of the Father, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, for all whom our Lord God will call. Suddenly, these weak, puny, infighting 12 dudes begin to begin, they begin the greatest movement the world has ever seen. They receive, they receive the Holy Spirit. What changed? What changed in the disciples? They received the Holy Spirit. That's what changed. Jesus has been preparing them for this moment. And now the glory of God begins to break out all around them. And you see here in this last verse, the promise is for you and for your children. And so what that means is that Peter is saying it, that the Holy Spirit is for those 3,000 that are, that, are, that are right there listening to them, but they're also for those 3,000's children and their children's children. So the Holy Spirit was not just for the apostles. The Holy Spirit was for the, the children of Abraham. And everybody in this room, when we make Jesus our Lord, we become children of God. That's what the scriptures say. So that means that the Holy Spirit is for us. He means the Holy Spirit is for you. It's for those who are far off, and for those who are near. That means it's for us who are in this room who may consider ourselves close to God. And it means it's for those that are outside this room that need to be close to him and don't know how. The promise is true today. I invite you to stand up with me as we close out our service and invite the worship band and ministry team to come forward. So the call this morning is, it's very simple. It's to receive more of the Holy Spirit. But in order to do so, We've got to be willing to let something go. And so what do you need to let go this morning? What do you need to surrender? What do you need to drop? And for you, it may be a simple step like coming down and receiving prayer. For you, it may be right where you're at, surrendering your heart to Jesus for the first time. Or for you, it may be just asking God to come and to fill you with his presence. His promise is those for who are near and those who are far off. And don't just do it for yourself, but do it for your children's children. Do it for them. I invite you just to close your eyes right where you're at. If you're in this room and you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you can do so in this moment. If you feel the Holy Spirit tapping on your heart, 
you feel something inside of you stirring, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. Just encourage you to pray this prayer with me right now. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, that you came to this earth, that you died on the cross for my sins. Put my faith in you and ask you to come live in me right now. Come fill me with your spirit. If you made that decision, encourage you to come down and ask for prayer. Tell somebody about it. We want to pray for you. If you're in this place and you need a touch from the Holy Spirit, if you need to be filled with his power, today is the day. Today is the day. Jesus is wanting to pour out his spirit. Jesus, we invite you to come. Would you pour out your spirit on us, Father? Would you meet with us in power? We want to know you more. We need you, Jesus. We need you. We love you, Jesus. We want more of your spirit, Jesus. We want more of your presence in our life. Whatever your need is, come get prayer or just worship right where you're at. Jesus wants to meet with us. He wants to pour out his spirit today.